Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. Hey, Dune baseball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, and joining me, the former two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, a member of the 1986 world champion New York Mets, co-author of the best-selling book Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer, and narrator of the audio version of that book as well, joining us from the Lone Star State of Texas in San Antonio, the star of the Gibby Show. He is baseball life for himself, John Gibbons. Gibby, you are back in San Antonio and in the state of Texas where the two Lone Star State's baseball teams are at it right now for the American League Championship. How are you enjoying the postseason so far, especially with the Rangers and Astros competing for the ALCS? Yeah, hey, it's big down here now. You know, plus, hey, plus the Cowboys played last night. They got a W against the, the old Chargers. Oh, wow. But, yeah, th- yeah, you know what? Hey, things are things are good down here. We would love to see the Blue Jays in it, but they're not. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the Rangers, you know, for the guys running that, you know, Chris Young, Dayton Moore, you yes. know, and, of course, Bochy taking over, and then big fan of the guys in Houston. Dana Brown, my old boss in, in uh, Atlanta, who used to also work for the Blue Jays, is now their GM. So, yeah, good times down here in Texas. Uh, absolutely. It's uh, it's great for the state, uh, especially this series is just uh, so highly competitive and it's so exciting to see uh, these two teams go at it, to see who's going to eventually make the World Series. Unfortunately, uh, the Blue Jays, like the rest of us, are watching the playoffs at home, of course, uh, but they're making news uh, highlighted by the press conference held by President and CEO Mark Shapiro last week. Uh, we're going to discuss that and take a look at the seven uh, pending free agents the Jays will have uh, to decide to go after or part ways with. Uh, And then later on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we're going to bring back the senior baseball writer for The Athletic. This is a great time to bring him back. He's the Fox Sports reporter, Ken Rosenthal. And as always, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, we're going to have another roast and toast for you today. Uh, But Gibby, let's just start as we always do with the leadoff. Last Thursday, Toronto Blue Jays president and CEO Mark Shapiro met with the media to answer questions about the 2023 season. And he doesn't go out and speak very much. Uh, Everyone uh, had on their mind the lingering questions about the early departure of the Jays in the playoffs, as well as the early departure of Jose Barrios in game two. Let's discuss the comments Shapiro had about the Barrios removal while he said he did not know when uh, Brios was going to be taken out for Yusei Kikuchi, he did say it was an organizational plan to do so. So he did confirm that. Uh, but he also said that it was John Schneider's call when to execute that plan. And he also said, quote, accountability lies at the top. It lies with me. We're not looking to say John Schneider made a mistake or Ross made a mistake or who made a mistake. We made a mistake. It didn't work. We need to learn and get better from it, but we also need to be okay making mistakes. Now, Gibby, did Shapiro finally diffuse this uh, in the questions about Barrios' removal from game two, confirming it was the organization's plan to do so, uh, but ultimately Schneider's call on when to execute that plan? Yeah, I think he did. You know, uh, 
you know, that thing turned into a firestorm. I didn't expect Oof. all that. You know, I mean, it, it uh, yeah, no one you know, did. You, you, you figure, well, you know, just like any baseball game, especially the postseason, everybody analyzes, sometimes overanalyzes all the moves that are made and whether it affected the game or not. But this this one just blew up, and, and I mean, obviously, there's an obvious reason why, right? The way the way you know the way he was removed so early in the game, he's pitching well. But I thought Mark did a great job, you know, kind of squelching that a little bit. Um, and re- and really, the reality of it is, because I even said this on our last show, I think, or the one before that. You know, you're all in that together, man. You're supposed to be all in that together, you know. And we we uh, the, the the president runs the organization, the general manager runs the team, puts it together, and of course, the president signs off on it. And then you hire a manager and a coaching staff to run the game, right? And all I can say is, I had the leeway to do them the way I wanted to. Me and the coaches, and you know, I, has that changed? Yeah, I think it's a little more analytics driven. There's a little more input from the top, no doubt about it. That's you know part of the reason I'm gone. I think, mm-hmm. but you know, I you get everybody's got to stick together. You know what? Uh, nobody really understood the move in the game in the, in the baseball world, and, and rightfully so. That's the beauty of baseball. There's so many different ways to do things. So nobody nobody knows exactly what happened, but hopefully this squelches it because you know uh, and, and move on, put another good team on the field next year, you know, cause if the fan base deserves that. Right. Um, but, but it'll, it'll die down, you know, it, it, it always does, but you know, everybody's in the crosshairs. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I, uh, watched the press conference from Shapiro, I, I, for me personally, I thought it was a much better explanation than what, uh, Ross Atkins and his comments from several days earlier, uh, Shapiro said uh, also that the te- that there really needs to be more transparency and communication with the players, which I think was an important point that he made. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of shock and surprise. You know, most of the team, especially on the pitching side, they knew that this was an organizational decision, uh, but when it was going to be executed was another situation. Uh, with the comments from Atkins and now Shapiro, it's really time to turn a page because you have to look at to improve the synergies uh, between the front office, the field manager and the players. Don't you think that's like an ultimate goal here now? Get everybody on the same page, the front office, the, the field manager, uh, the ownership. So you can get that trust, that complete trust from the players as you head into next year. Well, I, I know this, this much. The play, the players got to be able to trust that the manager's making the decisions, right? If everybody understands, and, and don't get me wrong, that there's always heavy input from front offices now, you know, throughout every team out there, some more than other, others, obviously. You know, the the, the front offices in, historically in baseball have always been involved putting the teams together, right? But they never they never really did much except player personnel. If you need a new player, you bring somebody up, and then the manager and the coaches ran the, ran the game. And the and the players got to know that that that's that's the case. When you the way you lose those guys, if they think you're a puppet down there, and you're 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 you know you can't right or wrong whether it, there's any value to that or not. They think this guy can't even think for himself. So, and what happens then? Uh, the manager loses all clout. You know, so if a player's not playing, you know, it's like well the front office doesn't want me playing. But instead of going being able to go into the manager job manager's office to sit out and say what's going on how come i'm not playing and you guys hash it out you know that's uh so that that's that's where there's got to be you know trust is is uh restored you know um but like i said i i, I didn't think it would blow up like the way it did but 
that's why you know what you know you speak the truth people you know you, you can never go wrong say hey you know what we and we all we screwed up it was a bad baseball decision whether it was or not you know that, that you can argue well but we didn't score enough runs obviously but you know uh you, you can you just speak the you know speak speak reality man people like people like that yeah, if that it could have been averted, uh, like you say, if like from immediately it was just kind of like this joint Atkins Schneider, uh, just this is what happened. This was our plan. This is when we executed it. And and if that was all said in the beginning of this whole process, we wouldn't be where we are right now, where everyone's questioning it, the players are questioning it. So yeah, I hope they learn from this. Yeah, you know, and you know, I always had the belief. And, and, I, and, you know, I even said it to J.P. Richardi as a GM when I was there and then Alex Anthopoulos a few times. Listen, if you don't like the job I'm doing, find, you, you you should find somebody else. And they and they they could, you know, we, we'd get in, we'd butt heads over there. And they, they say, you, what, are you do, what are you talking like that for? I say, it's the truth. If you're running a team and you think your manager doesn't doesn't do it the way you like it, why wouldn't you, why would you not get somebody that you, you agree with? And uh, uh, so my point is, you know, if you're managing a team, you know, it's like Bruce Bochy or uh, right now, right? He, you think anybody's interfering with what he's doing? They they, they trust that. Okay, he's Bruce Bruce Bochy. He's he's got the he's got the pedigree, right? But still, I mean, every, every manager in the game, for the most part, I'm sure, I hope, understands the game of baseball and how it's played. And they have experience doing it, so you trust them. Otherwise, don't hire him in the beginning, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you are listening to the Gibby Show presented by our friends at Miller Light and Gibby. Uh, watching these playoffs, and I know you watch your football as well with the Cowboys and watching this. I'm sure there are uh, there are times where the Miller Lights are being cracked open, and uh, and like me, you're enjoying them during watching these exciting playoffs this year. Oh yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. We've been known to have a few Miller Lights, even throw a couple at the screen. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? It, it's it's that uh, light beer that tastes like a. a you know, full like real beer. Yes, it that's right. does, and and you can't go wrong with the official beer of Major League Baseball, and that's uh, our friends over at Miller Lite. Uh, so we always appreciate their support right here on the Gibby Show. Corner booths, sticky floors, weekdays that feel like weekends. You never forget the way some things taste. Miller Lite, great taste, ninety calories. Tastes like Miller time. Gibby, looking forward, uh, looking towards uh, the upcoming free agency class of 2023. Uh, players are allowed to declare, as you know, right after the end of the World Series. The Jays are in an interesting spot. They have at least five players on that list, possibly seven if options are not exercised. Uh, those include uh, position players Brandon Belt, Matt Chapman, Whit Merrifield, Kevin Kiermeyer, and pitchers Jordan Hicks. Young Jin Ryu and uh, Chad Green, uh, and and potentially uh, not playing for Toronto next year. Uh, so I want to ask you about a couple of, of the free agents here, uh, some of the most prominent ones, and what you feel uh, who will be retained, who may go. Uh, and I want to start off with um, Matt Chapman. Obviously, he's a big name out there. So what what's your feelings on Chapman coming back or or leaving? You know, if I was to guess, of course, this is a strictly opinion. You know, I don't, I don't think you'd see him back next year. Uh, you know, with the way you know David Snyder came up and played, 
And of course, Biggio really showed himself well at the end of the year. You're probably looking for, you know, guys, get those guys more opportunities. And Chapman's going to cost you a lot of money, right? Uh, same way with uh, Wit. You know, Wit's kind of at that point in his career. Why would he want to stick on a one-year deal, you know, or that anything like that where he can go somewhere else and get a multi-year deal, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Wit is, uh, is 34, um, and he has a mutual player team option for $18 million for next year, and those are rarely picked up. Uh, but you do have people to fill in if he does leave. On the Chapman situation, it's interesting, too. Um He's now represented by and has been by Scott Boris. So Boris traditionally takes his players right through the whole free agent process. Uh, but uh, the question for you is, do you think the Jays should at least extend a quali a qualifying offer to Chapman, which will be in the range of about $20 million. They'll probably turn it down anyway, uh, so they can get that draft pick back if they lose him? Yeah, I'm sure they'll do that. It's, it's kind of standard, especially a guy, you know, somebody's going to give, you know, Chapman, you know, three or four years, I would think it may not be the money, you know, everybody's forecasting necessarily, but um, yeah, Boris's guys don't, you know, they, they, they usually, uh, when they get they to that free agent time, they, 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 they try it out, you know, they go for the juggler uh, for the most yeah, part, you know, they, and, they see and what, Boris they see has gotten big there. money for his guys. So, yeah. Uh, and, but there's also been some guys who've gotten burned too that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Michael Conforto uh, rings yeah. a bell to me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about uh, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, uh, 33 years old, uh, great defender, uh, popular with the fans. Um, you think he's got a shot of coming back or is it? You know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, it. Uh, I think the way they, the season finished, you know, and they were one of the top payroll teams in baseball. You know, uh, how, high, how high they're going to keep that payroll. I've got no idea, you know, dealing yeah. dealing with the ownership and in the. But I'm sure they're sure they're going to try to conserve wherever they can. And you and you got some, you know, you got some good young players that they want. They want playing time guys that have come along, you know, had a big, had some big performances, and maybe take a look at them. Uh, I think Kiermaier be a good guy to keep on the team in in, a, in whatever role you want. He's and he's the ultimate team guy. Yes. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see with him. Uh, Jordan Hicks is another one. They picked him up the trade deadline. He throws over 100 miles an hour. He's 27 years old. I mean. Uh, and he only made $1.8 million this year. So I guess he's good. He's going to go for the big bucks. So that that's also probably a toss up um, when it comes to Hicks. Um, then you have Ryu. Ryu's 36. I guess they're going to wait to see what happens with Manoa too, or, or they just may let Rio go. I mean, so there's some big decisions here to make John with this team. Yeah. With Rio. Yeah. I wouldn't anticipate him come back. Cause you, cause you got Ricky Tiedemann, you know, coming yes. along fast in the minor leagues. You know, and then like you, you mentioned, Manoa there. Uh, hopefully, he bounces back. You know, the bullpen. I think they 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 recognize that that was a real strength of their team. They got to keep Chad Green. I would think. You know, yeah. They, I want to talk to you about Chad for a second. Uh, because... Well, they took him through the rehab. You know, and, and yes. invested a lot in. And I'm they sure did. there's some loyalty on his 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 part there. And even Hicks. You know, if they could, uh, you know, if they could structure that. You know, they'll they'll, they'll be saving some money on Ryu anyway. So um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to see them bring back Hicks and, of course, Green. You know that the Jays are invested, as you said, uh, with Green because of the surgery. And and I just want to uh, bring up to you the unique structure of this agreement with him because I've never really seen anything like it before. Uh, Toronto has a three-year club option on him, which would pay Green $27 million for the three years, 24 to 2026. 
if they decline that, then Green has a one-year player option uh, making $6.5 million. If Chad denies that one, then the team could come back and say, all right, we'll give you two years. They have an option for two years uh, for 24 and 25 at $21 million a year. So you know that they want to work together here. So uh, I would guess that he's going to stay. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would think so. You know, he's he's got like a new arm. You know, he had that Tommy John. He's got in in these. He's uh, you know, he's experienced in the American League East. He knows what, uh, and he really did a nice job. You know, for him yes. coming back, and, and you know, they 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 sacrificed him and invested in him. So you know, there's a good mutual relationship there, and hopefully, hopefully that both both sides stick yeah. by that. But you know what, the game is all bullpen now. You know the way that. Especially back to analytics again, the way that ways way that, that starters are used, you really need a long bullpen that you know with many guys, you know that you can count on. So you, if you get a chance to keep those guys, you, you need to. Yeah, build upon the strength of that bullpen, which was great this year, and of course the starting pitchers. So it's going to be an interesting offseason. Of course, we'll continue to follow it right here on the Gibby Show. But that's going to wrap up the leadoff, John. And now it's time for gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. And there are four delicious loaded bowls now available from Tim Horton's restaurants across Canada. Try the new Chipotle steak bowl for something savory, or you could try the new barbecue crispy chicken bowl for something smoky, the cilantro lime chicken bowl for zesty, or the habanero chicken bowl for something spicy. Or all four bowls are packed with hearty ingredients, including tasty grains, lettuce, freshly diced tomatoes and cucumbers, which are topped off with creamy, flavorful sauce for an awesome meal. What do you think, John? You know, I still can't get over how many different uh, options they give you at Tim Hortons. I didn't realize that when I was up there, you know. you know, yeah. Maybe it was because the only time I, I dropped in there was for breakfast. But, it's really, hey, it gets yourself – you can get many different type of drinks to go along with it or heck, get you a pastry to go along with one of those deals. And uh, yeah. Get a quencher, man. Yeah, get a quencher, get another baked good, and that's a meal that'll keep you going all day. Yeah, and you don't have to eat the rest of the day. You can go. It's it's be like on that uh, intermittent intermittent fasting. You don't have to eat the rest of the day. (laughs) There you go. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring back one of the true insiders of Major League Baseball right now. He is at the ALCS covering the series between the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers for Fox Sports. He's the senior writer for The Athletic, and he appears regularly on the Foul Territory baseball podcast as well. Uh, That's very entertaining. It's uh, always our pleasure to welcome back Ken Rosenthal to Gabbing with Gibby. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to be with you guys again. Always fun. Hey. Hey, you're looking good down in Texas, brother. You, you actually look a little bigger down there in Texas. You know, like everything's bigger down there. Well, down here, I should but, say there. Everything but one thing. I'm not any bigger in Texas. Same small <laughs> size. Hey, you're the, you're the man everywhere you go. It doesn't matter. Kenny, oh, thanks yeah. for joining us, pal. <laughs> no problem. Get him, Johnny. Uh, yeah, we got to talk to you first and foremost about a really compelling article you wrote uh, in The Athletic about the analytics and numbers dictating decisions in baseball. And you wrote that baseball should bring back the feel of a game. 
and how that game unfolds. Uh, this was written highlighting the decision to lift Jose Barrios from game two of the AL wildcard series. Uh, talk to us about that column and uh, why you felt the need to write it and how those in the game have reacted to it so far. John, I wrote that obviously with the game two decision as a launching point, but it really wasn't about that decision specifically. It was about the trend in the game that we've seen going on for several years now. And I am a proponent of analytics. I love analytics. I've loved what they brought to the game, both from my own perspective as a writer, I've been enlightened by some of the things that we've been able to quantify. It helps me explain things better. It's great. Players have benefited from analytics. There are countless stories of guys who have used technology and the data to improve their game. These are great things. Teams have improved because of it. All good. What sometimes gets out of hand, in my opinion, is the decision-making that is based on analytics and purely analytics at times. That's not right. And that we see come into play in any number of instances, in any number of games. When it doesn't happen, as it hasn't happened with the Texas Rangers and Bruce Bochy the last two games, and really ever since he's been a manager, then it stands out the other way. Because, wow, this is somebody who's actually managing the way we used to see games managed. And there is a way to blend the two, and that's what should be happening. There should be a blend. And for anyone to say, I'm going to go on my gut and not on what I have in front of me, the information, that's ridiculous. Equally ridiculous is scripting a game based on the numbers. And that is what John Schneider did, whether, whether he was the one responsible or the front office was the res one responsible. There are many sides to this story. All I know is, and I've said this on my show and other shows as well, teams brag now all the time about how collaborative they are. We're collaborative. We make decisions as a team. Well, here's the one decision that was not collaborative. It was all John Schneider's fault. He's the one who held the smoking gun. I somehow doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kenny, you know what? Kenny, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, baseball has always been about numbers. It has, you know, now it's, of course, it's taken sure. to a, a new level. But I don't think I know any manager that does everything from his gut, right? You know, they, they use their eyes, but everybody has information before, right? And and I can only, actually, I can only speak for myself as well. You know, we used to lay out a plan going into a game. Okay, this guy's available, this guy's, you know, if, if we get in trouble early, we're going to do this or that, right? But now it's, it's, but you kind of, then you kind of let the game dictate it. You know, you see what your eyes are telling right. you. Because on any given night, that may be that guy's night. He may be having the uh, game of his career. Let's talk about, speaking of the, of the, on the guy on the mound, you know. And so, you know, I, I, I was listening to somebody the other day too, and it was, and I, and I witnessed it so many times. If you're in the other dugout, let's say my guy's dealing, right? And he's, and he's getting, getting it later and he's, but he's dealing, they're not touching. You go out to take him out. Those guys in the other dugout are going, Hey, thank you very much. Hey, hey, smart That's guy. Right. That away. And it, they exhale and, th and it happens. I guarantee 90% of the times things swing the other way. Just the way it is. Well, Gibby, Joel Sherman is a writer. I know you know him. Yeah. And, and he's one of my favorites. He's a friend of mine and he has a great line that applies to these kinds of situations. He says, always, you should do what the other team doesn't want you to do. The other <laughs> team wanted Barrios out of the game. The Twins wanted him out. Uh. The Jays, because he was rolling, should have kept him in. And 
I understand what they're doing, and I understand Kikuchi. They wanted to back him up with that, but they should have brought in Mesa if for a dirty inning anyway. I mean, there are all kinds of things that went on here. So it's one decision. One decision is never going to determine a game or a series or anything like that. But it kind of spoke to a lot of the things we've been talking about over the years. And, John, you asked me about the reaction within the game. And actually, I was quite surprised by how many people reached out to me after that. I don't usually get many people saying anything to me one way or the other on an article. Once in a while, hey, that was a good job or whatever from somebody in the game. But pretty rarely. And that's fine. I'm, they shouldn't be just sending me compliments. I could care less. But that <laughs> column, everybody, not everybody, but I would say 10 to 15 texts. Hey, you nailed it. You know, that kind of thing. So there are obviously a number of people in the game who feel that there should be more feel. And yeah. there are people in the game who want it to be totally numbers driven. And I appreciate the debate, but at the same time, there has to be a balance. And it seems to me at times we've gotten away from that balance. Hey, the commissioner of baseball, Major League Baseball, had to institute new rules this year because analytics had gotten the game to a point where it's becoming less entertaining. Well, the game is now to a point from a competitive standpoint where it also is being skewed in kind of ways that it shouldn't be. Yeah. And, you know, Kenny, analytics, right, are beautiful. I think the numbers, when you're putting your – team together during the offseason right you know you're acquiring the players that that, that that all fit together and you're hoping but but a guy we're watching now in the postseason uh castellanos right you know it was big numbers he signed that big contract coming over to philly and struggled right okay the analytics said he should have done this or that but here comes the emotional side the mental side he's in a new place in a tough town he gets off to a slow start he's feeling the heat and he doesn't reach his norm now he's kind of settled in and guys are around and they've all rallied where now he's back to what everybody but see so that's that's where i think a lot of this is lost the human side of it these guys deal with the ups and downs whether it's the the performance or what's going on in their life and things like that and we can't lose sight of that you know and in the uh, but hey i'm one of those guys so you you hit it on the nose do you usually all your articles are right on the money do, you, does, do people know you're usually coming to me for a little bit of advice on what to write about yeah they kind of know you're my ghostwriter yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow Go ahead, Jenny. Uh, yeah i just want to follow up on um uh, this topic obviously the uh, blue jays had a couple of press conferences one with the ross atkins and he said the decision was all schneider's and he just kind of put it all on schneider and then uh jay's president and ceo mark shapiro had a different take saying the organization needed to be accountable and that accountability went right to the top to him, although he did say uh, when that plan uh, was going to be executed was going to be up to Schneider. But it seemed to be a little bit of a circus here uh, with the these two press conferences and Schneider staying uh, radio silent, basically, since all of this has happened. A um, couple of questions here. Do you think Atkins threw Schneider under the bus? Uh, and can the GM... And and the manager get over this controversy together because they got to work together for, you know, the future next season. Yes. He threw John Schneider under the bus. There's no question about that. He directly pointed the finger at John Schneider. Now, maybe that is actually what happened. And maybe the plan was do this at some point in the game. And Schneider 
took it to mean let's do it the first instance where I have a chance. Okay, doesn't matter. What matters is an organization that claims to be collaborative, like all the other organizations, basically turned on the one guy who it could turn on, the manager, when in fact it's a collective responsibility. And one of the things that bothers some people in the game is that the analysts who suggest certain decisions, well, they're never the ones getting blamed. We don't know who they are. We know who the manager is, and he's the one who gets ripped. So the worst part of that for me was not the decision itself. You make a bad decision, you make a bad decision, even if it's analytically driven and seemingly ridiculous in our eyes. That happens. But when the general manager comes out and says, not me, not my fault, that is not leadership. And that should not have happened. And I was quite surprised Ross Atkins took the approach he did. It just kind of blew my mind. So can they get past it? I'm sure they can get past it. They're two mature individuals, John Schneider and Ross Atkins. They, I'm sure, have had differences in the past. But this was a very public thing. And it will be interesting to see how this all evolves because – you can make a case that Ross Atkins shouldn't be the GM. You can make a case that John Schneider shouldn't be the manager. I'm not saying they should be fired, but you can certainly build a case against both of them. And to some degree, they're both going to be on the hot seat next year. And this team had a very funny season. I never took to this team like a lot of fans because they never really ignited. And it's curious to me that that didn't happen. They have great offensive players that didn't really produce – to their career norms. So next year is a big year for the Jays and we'll see what happens. Yeah. At the end of the day, regardless of the Barrios situation, the Jays simply didn't hit and they never, as you said, ignited. Um, So saying that, and with not the best free agent class out there coming into the, the off season, what do you think the Jays need to do uh, to get better in 2024? It's a good question. And the free agent class, especially from an offensive perspective, is thin. There are starting pitchers out there. I don't know if the Jays need to get into that market. They're pretty well set. They could use a Teoscar Hernandez, maybe. That kind of guy, just another bat in the lineup. They made trades that seemingly didn't look bad at the time. The Guriel trade with Moreno going over to Arizona for Varsho. I liked that trade. I thought it was shrewd, actually. And the Teoscar trade, I got it. They didn't want to pay him and then lose him as a free agent. But they lost something. They lost part of their identity, it seems like to me. That team had a very strong culture with those players. And I remember at the All-Star game a couple of years ago, Guriel did not make it, but Guerrero and Bichette and Teoscar had made it. They were talking to Guriel on FaceTime from the dugout during the game. These guys had it. I don't know. They have it. Certain something. Now, you make moves, things happen, things change in baseball all the time. You can't retain the same chemistry. But it seems to me they're missing something. I'm not sure what it is, and I'm not sure the free agent market's going to offer it. But they can't. The whole red jacket. They're missing the whole red jacket. Well, the jacket, that neighborhood, whatever that phrase is, I can't remember off the top of my head. That was their team, you know, their chemistry. And I'd rather lose than have, look at that. <laughs> I'd rather lose every night well, than that. You don't want to look at when the jacket. You don't want to look at the Yeah, I know. Well, that's, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But, Gibby, I think you'd agree with me. They had a 
certain vibe to them. It was good vibe. And it wasn't so much this year. Yeah. You know what? It, I, I think they could use a, a, a couple more bozos on the team. A couple, and I don't want to say a-holes. But I, 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 think they, I think they could use almost a couple guys that had their, their rough edge. You know, And I'm not comparing my teams to their, you know, your Donaldson, Batistas. There's something about exactly the guys that are rough. Because they're a bunch of good, wonderful guys, good guys, great competitors. But you, there was just something raw I thought that was missing. Trade for Soto. You know, you know <laughs> Soto's not that kind yeah. of guy, though. And no. you know what? No. There aren't many guys like that in the game now. It's so funny. There's a term. I know Gibby knows it. I'm sure he's used it many times. The term, it's a baseball term. It's red ass. And a red yeah. ass is a guy who kind of ticks people off and who has a hot temper. The game now, for whatever reason, doesn't have those guys. And actually, give me some of us older writers have been talking in recent days, just sharing stories. When I broke in in the late 80s, I was terrified of walking into the Orioles clubhouse as the beat guy. It made me very uneasy. Now everyone is nice. Now it's bad. Yeah. You don't want jerks. You don't want to get yelled no, at I got every you. day like I was getting yelled at every day. But there is a certain edge that certain players bring. Donaldson is an acquired taste for sure, but yeah, it's it, sometimes it's missing. Yeah, because I, because I, I, if you just you could go through every great team along the way, you can go back to all the great Yankee teams, even the red the Red Sox from your Manny Ramirez and those guys. The uh, you know, I mean, there, there, there's some guys on those teams that aren't well liked, and they just kind of they just kind of stir stir things up, and I think that's good. But all right, before we gotta let you go here, let's. What do you like? Who do you like? There's four teams left, right? Well, before we get to that, the Dodgers and the Braves, right? The two, everybody, those everybody picked, right? And if you look at it, yeah, look at the the Dodgers. It's time for the Dodgers to start winning some stuff. They, they get there every year. Every year, there's expanded play. They win 100 games. They won in 2020. That doesn't count. That was a short abbreviated. That, that shouldn't count. You know what I mean? It, it's time for those teams to start winning. You know, then the Braves get knocked out. You know, here's my from our, my last statement, see, I, I see the Phillies as kind of that raw team, you know, that rough. They got that edge about them, right? They Led do. by Harper. And they got it. Yeah. And they took it to the, the Braves. I don't see that. I saw the Ch World Championship Braves a couple years ago had that. They, they, they said there just seemed to be something yeah, about them, you know, toughness or whatever. And so I think that that's kind of what we're talking about, you know? But who do you like? Yeah, the Phillies last have yeah, they do. Oh, well, it's easy now. We got one team up 2-0, another team up 1-0. I can pick the series. I do like Dude, Texas. Yeah. Texas 7-0 in the postseason, and they're playing great. Now, do I rule out Houston? You can never rule out Houston. They are the defending World Series champs, seven straight LCS appearances. They have that quality. They have it. Haven't shown it in the first two games. Would not be surprised to see them come out and do some big things over the next couple because they've played great at Globe Life Field. They are a team that has give you just what you're talking about, that winning edge. The Phillies, it's hard to see them losing in the Diamondbacks. They're just a better team, and they have what you're talking about in abundance. They like playing with each other. They like playing in their city, and they like winning. And it's a number of great players. That Let's not forget that. They've got great players. Zach Wheeler, yeah. one of the more underrated aces of this generation. Bryce Harper is a future Hall of Famer, first, first ballot Hall of Famer. Castellanos, you mentioned, he's 
come up big Schwarber, Trey Turner, Real Muto, one gamer after another. The kid in center field, Rojas, is elite. They've got a lot going for them in a good way. Even complimentary guys like Marsh and Bohm and Stott. This is an impressive group of players. So I can see them winning it all. Texas, I don't know what Bochy does, Gibby. I don't know if you can explain it, but that guy, there is something about him. And confidence. We keep taking our it's conf yes, and confidence in players and trust yes. in players. That's one of the things I was talking about in that story. He has that and they respond to it. He saw game one, he sticks with Montgomery. Could have pulled other managers would have pulled Montgomery. Game two, Evaldi has that bases loaded, none out situation, gets out of it. Rochi never moved. Something's going on there, man. They got a good thing going. And I would like to see, actually, a Phillies-Rangers World Series. I think it would be great. Not to discredit the Astros or Diamondbacks. If they're in the World Series, that's great, too. But these two teams right now are the teams playing the best, and they deserve to be there. Yeah, it'll, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down the wire, but... Well, listen, we appreciate you coming on. But, hey, when you were talking a minute ago about going into the Baltimore, when you first started out, the Baltimore clubhouse, and, and you you're ducking and, and all that. But crying out loud, now I look on TV in the middle of a, a huge game, playoff game. Yeah. You're, you're in the dugout <laughs> in, interviewing guys. What a, what, a, what a change. Well, you're right. And I know, I don't know if we talked about this, Gibby on the show before. I know a lot of people are taken aback by that and no. they're like, whoa, whoa, that's not right. But I will say this when I first, well, when the idea was first given to me last year that Fox wanted to do this, Major League Baseball wanted to do this, and we were going to try it, I was a little uneasy because that's not my place to be in that dugout ever, in my opinion. But different times and we evolve and those interviews. Sometimes they're not that good, but sometimes they're amazing. And to hear a player right in the moment when he's in the game and in the mix, it's pretty cool. And as far as interrupting the game and disrupting the dugout, that doesn't happen. What I do is we have a list I of know players that. that will do it. And not, not every player will do it. We have a list of players that will do it. I'll walk in there if something happens and we have a guy on the approved list is somebody I want to talk to. I'll kind of quietly maneuver my way in. Maybe he's coming down to the end anyway, but I'll maneuver my way in, pull him aside. The interview takes less than a minute. So we're not ruining the game or doing anything like that. And if John Gibbons was the manager, I'd have the microphone in his face, man. Big time. <laughs> hey, just just stay away from the bat rack. Don't try to grab a bat and go up there and get an AB, man. No, like, no, no. <laughs> like I said, I know my place, Gibby. Hey, Verducci <laughs> would try to do that, man. But you, come on. No, he wouldn't try to grab a bat. <laughs> No, he would. He would. He would. He would try to get in the manager's ear and tell him what statistics he needed to pay attention on right now. <laughs> All right, Kenny. Hey, listen. Go out and get you some good Mexican food, man. You're in Texas. Good All right, for man, lunch, and, and, and it's always a pleasure. Nobody better, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ken. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Deep in the heart of Texas. Oh, jeez, I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ken. You'll be hey, good, Ken. man. Just before we go, did you have a take on the free agents that the Jays have, those list of free agents? Do you think any of them will be back? Yeah. It's Chapman. It's Kiermaier. Yeah. It's Belt. And, yeah. and uh, Merrifield. Merrifield and Merrifield. Then Hicks, Ryu. Ryu. 
and mm. Chad Green. I don't Green. know if any will be back. I don't know. I bet Green does. Yeah, they they get you know if they, if they only if they got bouncing there like they did this and they're over that two hundred million mark. I, that ownership yeah. up, up there is going to. I mean, maybe better. maybe Merrifield. I think he's happy there. Um, but he ain't happy know. now. He didn't get it. He didn't get a start no, in either happy. playoff game. He ain't happy. He ain't, he's leaving. Chapman no, has Boris. Right. Right. Boris will take him yeah. right through the process, I'm sure. And uh, well, well, he fizzled anyway. Did Chapman, forget yeah. about. Yeah. Cool. yeah. 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 All right, brother. Guys, take care. Be good. Okay. See you later, man. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Gibby, I mean, bringing Ken on is always a pleasure. What a smart guy. Uh, just uh, one of the top baseball analysts in the game. Great to have his insights here today. Yeah, one of the, one of the all-time good guys. You know, he's been around this game a long time. You know, he's got he, he's connected. You know, he, he talks to all the right people, and he's very professional. And, he's uh, and you know, he's not afraid to give his opinion. You know, that, that's, the, that's, that's the beauty of it all. But, uh, heck, we, you know, people will watch him on our show next thing you know. They'll turn on the TV tonight watching – or next couple of days watching those games. There he is again. It's like, yeah, we can't get enough of this guy. Either that or, or we're tired of looking at this guy more yeah, so than ev- me. He's everywhere. He's everywhere for he's sure. He's everywhere. Uh, we always appreciate uh, his time here on Gabbing with Gibby. And also don't forget everybody out there to try those four delicious loaded bowls uh, from Tim Horton's restaurants across Canada. You could try the new Chipotle steak bowl for something savory the new barbecue crispy chicken bowl for something smoky, the cilantro lime chicken bowl for zesty, or the habanero chicken bowl for something spicy. So don't forget to head out to Tim's across Canada to try one of these great loaded bowls. And now give me... Go ahead. Time to eat. Exactly. Uh, Now inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's going to be time for this week's Roast and Toast. Uh, well, John, this week's controversy erupted when, after making the final out of the Game 2 NLDS on the base paths, Bryce Harper was uh, reportedly the subject of ridicule in the Braves' clubhouse postgame celebration. Braves shortstop Orlando Arcia was observed repeating, boy, Harper! After reporters entered, of course, Harper had gotten thrown uh, out at first base, doubled off after Michael Harris spectacular catch on Nick Castellanos, two outs in the ninth inning to end that game. And RC was heard saying attaboy Harper several times in the clubhouse. Harper got his revenge by blasting two home runs and glaring at RC while rounding the bases in game three, not once, but twice. That should have ended it. But Atlanta catcher Travis Darno blamed the media for sparking the feud between Arcia and Harper and said the clubhouse is a sanctuary. And when comments like that get out, it doesn't make players want to talk to the media at all. The comment was made. It might or might not have fired Harper off. It probably did. It's the game of baseball. It's being competitive. But don't blame the media. For this belly aching. This week's roast got to go to Travis Darno for sparking this unnecessary controversy. Yeah, you know that's that's all part of the game. You know what? Uh, actually, I would have rather you know, there's no well. First off, uh, Harper screwed up getting doubled off. You know, it, it happens. It, it, the same thing happened to Altuve the other day in in uh, game one of that playoff series. So didn't retouch second base. It happens, and it just shows you it happens to the greatest players. But 
you know, that's, those are the things that, that, that could cost you in the end. Right. Uh, so, so that happened. So they were having fun with it, really, you know, hammering them on it. Like, you know, if you want to call it bench jockeying or whatever, but it was in the clubhouse. So what? That's, that's just part of it. I would rather seen our, our Sia is Harper coming around second base. You say something back at him, you know, you, you got a pretty yeah. good rivalry between those two. Don't, you know, sit there and take it. You know, even though he's the, the big guy, Harper's the big guy. Yes. Hey, I, you know, if, if you say something, stand up for yourself. I got, you know, because the media is in there, especially postseason time, they're hearing everything. And, and, uh, yes. and I think, you know, I think a little tension sometimes is, is good for everybody, you know? So yeah, you know, it, yeah, it is, it is their sacred place The say, you know, the uh, clubhouse is the players. Yeah. But the, but when it's open to the media and it's a playoff time. Yeah. You know, hey, clear, when the when the Phillies uh, celebrated after they eliminated the Braves, I mean they were chanting a couple of uh, you know f bombs in the in the locker room directed uh, at the Braves and also directed at the Mets for you know so it, it happens it's just part of it's it it happens it gets out there don't make a big deal out of it the players can handle it on the field no you got to make a big deal out of it and and uh, let let it motivate you and let uh, you know uh, maybe like a couple bowls man go head to head man go head to head yeah clear them benches exactly well, i think we got a lot of great playoff action ahead and then the world series is going to be a great one this year so we look forward to that uh but gibby speaking of that let's get to the toast of the week and i think uh you'll appreciate this one um Today's toast is actually going to go out to two senior citizens, I'm not saying that you're one of them. You're still a very young man. Uh, together, these gentlemen have been in the majors for decades. They uh, retired from being active players uh, 20 years before the iPhone was invented. As major league managers, they've combined for 4,276 wins, four World Series titles, and each are ironically celebrating their 26th year as big league managers this year. They've proven time and time again, it's not how old you are. It's how good of a job you can do, regardless of age. And now they face off in the ALCS for the very first time at the age of 74 and 68, respectively. Houston Astros manager Dusty Baker and Texas Rangers skipper Bruce Bochy, get this week's toast of the week. Yeah, we got to salute him. You know. And the only difference is now, but they're, they're both sharp. The only difference is it takes them a little bit longer to get out to the mound for a pitching change. That's the only difference than the last <laughs> than 20 years ago. But uh, but you can tell, you know what, they're both calming influences on their team. You know, that they they let their they have tremendous confidence in their players. Yeah. And they're in themselves. They let the let their guys go out and play, and then they make the decisions. But I guarantee everybody still knows who's in charge. Um, it's really done wonders for uh, the Texas Rangers. You know, they, uh, you know, when Boats came in, they put this team together with a ton of talent. They spent a lot of money. They got a new stadium, and they're invested in in uh, Degrom yeah. and in you know Evaldi and a lot of a lot of position players. Right? They they went out and got the perfect guy to guide them, and they got. You know, Chris Young, Dayton Moore running the team over there, two of the best baseball men around, you know. And even and same thing with same thing with Houston. If you if you look at the the old body of work, you talk about the Dodgers and the teams that you know doing this and the the uh even the Braves, the Astros are the team. They've been to the, what this is their seventh straight uh ALC series, yes. Yeah. I mean, and you know, they've gone through different GMs, you know, uh some different players, but their core players are the same and they got the same owner that really wants to win. 
you know, and they're there every year. So it's, it's really, uh, it just shows you, you know, experience sometimes it's, uh, it, it can go a long way, but a lot of teams, you know, with the analytics being so heavy, which we talked about a lot on our show, yeah. want that, want that guy that'll, that'll, that'll take the info they give them and direct the, or apply it directly to the team without any of your, uh, figuring any of your, uh, wisdom. Right. right. But how many, how many years in a row have, the older generation led teams to the World Series. I mean, you look at, yeah, you, oh look yeah. at you know, look at Dusty, you look at uh, uh, the Atlanta Braves skipper, uh, Schnicker, you look at all of them. I mean, it looks like the experience, the wisdom, that is the leadership. It means something. So, yeah. baseball guys but I will say this too. Wisdom, wisdom means also that these guys are smart enough not to take teams that aren't very talented, see? They, 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 they've been around, the they've been around a while. They, they, they're going to go for talented teams. They're not going to Oakland. <laughs> no, no, you won't see them. You won't catch them out there. They couldn't pay them enough. Exactly. Corner booths, sticky floors, weekdays that feel like weekends. You never forget the way some things taste. Miller Lite, great taste, 90 calories. Tastes like Miller time. Well, uh, Gibby, before we go, we want to mention that right now through October 27th, ECW Press is offering a personalized copy of the best-selling book, Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer. It's a great opportunity for those shopping early for the holidays. All you got to do is go to ecwpress.com forward slash Gibby and order your signed and personalized copy of Gibby's best-selling memoir, only while supplies last. And only as long as John's arm does not get tired signing all of these books. So go to ecwpress.com forward slash Gibby to get your autographed copy today. There you go. Keep signing, John. That'll wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. For John Gibbons, this is John Arezzi. We'll be back next week to talk more postseason baseball with you. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>